Welcome to the Linked Up Church Podcast. We are passionate about connecting people to God, family, purpose, and community. Today, Pastor Trish Gregory gives the first installment of her two-part message entitled, Now Faith. Get your pen and your pad ready, and let's go into the worship center and hear what God has for us today. All right, we're going to be talking about Now Faith. The title is Now Faith. Now faith what? Well, that's up to you. Now faith what? That's up to you. But I believe Holy Spirit has given to me a message that will empower you to activate your faith at a higher level. Now, what is faith? What is it? Ooh, I'm in the word church. That was old. That was a cabbage patch. What did y'all say now? Uh-uh, uh-uh, uh-uh. Don't give me no Bible answer. What is faith to you? Give me some, like, some stuff. Acting on what you believe and trust that you can have, says Mama Jan. Okay, who else? Believing in what God says will come to pass. Good answers. What else? Works. Title deed. All right, good. All good answer. Now, based on those definitions, believing that you can have what God says you can have, having a firm foundation to trust and believe all that God has for you, who has faith? That's just about 100% of the room. If you're online and you say, I have faith, type in, I have faith. Right? All right. Now, let me tell you what I wrote down. I wrote down the foundation upon which me, we may walk in, live by, and rely on the power of God and abide in his living principles as found in the Bible. That's what faith is. All right? Now, now let's get to what the Bible has to say about it. Now, the Bible says, now if you're a Bible-thumping Christian, you've you got a firm foundation on what you believe faith is because you know that you, I believe that you got it from the Word of God. Now, it says here, that in Hebrews chapter 11, if you're not there, turn there. By the way, our notes are found in our Bible app, Linked Up Church. If you don't have it, I need for you to, li- to get your life right and download the Bible, the Linked Up Church app. Otherwise, if you have the Version app, you can get the notes there. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1, in the Passion, it says, Now faith brings our hopes into reality and becomes the foundation needed to acquire the things we long for. It is the evidence required to prove what is still unseen. The message version says, it is the fundamental fact of existence is that this trust in God, this faith, is the firm foundation of everything that makes life worth living. It's our handle on what we can't see. The Amplified says, now faith is the assurance, the title deed, the confirmation of things hoped for, divinely guaranteed, and the evidence of things not seen, the conviction of their reality. Faith comprehends as fact what cannot be experienced by the physical senses. Now, God enables us to engage him on this journey that we call life. He helps us navigate the tough waters. He doesn't erase the tough waters because how many of you know we're living in a fallen state? 
So life will hit you. Every man is an appointed, there is an appointed evil day. Life's going to hit you. It's going to happen. This is not a bad confession. This is not anti-faith. But what faith is, is the ability to believe God through those rough waters, those storms in life, okay? Y'all remember the Egyptians, right? The Israelites in Egypt. And they're going into the promised land. And, and he, t- he tells them, you're gonna, you're gonna, I promise the land to you, but you still got to fight for it. Right? And ultimately, God enables us to declare his glory and reunite with him ultimately in heaven. Now, Hebrews 11, chapter 6 in the Message Bible, Message trans- uh, Interpretation, it says, it's impossible to please God apart from faith. And Why? Because anyone who wants to approach God must believe that he is, that he exists, and that he, check this out, and that he cares enough for yourself to respond to those who seek him. It says, it is impossible to please God without faith. And why? Because anyone who wants to approach God must first believe that he exists. And that he cares enough to respond to those who diligently seek him. Right? Last time I ministered, I talked about a book written by Craig Rochelle that was named The Christian Atheist. And in that book, he's talking about, actually, I think one of the subtitles even is that he talks about being a Christian but living as if God does not exist. And we looked at some statistics coming to realize that less than 15% of Christians, Christians in America read their Bible on a daily basis or read their Bible. Less than 22% read their Bible on a weekly basis. Sunday don't count. One way that we walk in faith is to live according to the foundational scriptures that even linked up church is founded upon Colossians chapter 3 which said in verses 1 and 2 in the message which says so if you're serious about living this new resurrection life with Christ act like it pursue the things over which Christ presides don't shuffle along eyes to the ground absorbing the things right in front of you look up link up look up set your eyes up above and be alert to what's going on around Christ That's where the action is. See things from his perspective. We cannot be so consumed with what he said, she said. Beefs online. Who didn't speak and who did speak. What they said, what they didn't say. How they acted, how they didn't act. And say that we are walking in faith. Because in that moment, if we allow it to control us, We are operating by what we see and not by what we believe. I've used this example plenty of times. This time the victim is going to be Minister Kimberly. I love Minister Kimberly. I respect Minister Kimberly. I admire Minister Kimberly. But if you know Minister Kimberly, she can be a straight arrow. I mean, she's like, oh. She can cut you sometimes. Now, that's not her heart. That's just how she is. That's how she's wired. She could say something crosswise to me, 
Now, I know and I believe Minister Kimberly loves me, but she could say something crosswise to me, and I fool myself into thinking she doesn't love me. She don't like me. She has an issue with me. And so I can start avoiding her. I can start acting all like, oh, you brand new now? <laughs> I can walk into the room and maybe not speak to her. I can bypass her on certain notifications. I can start acting all different because I believe she doesn't like me. And she's in her corner thinking, what's wrong with PT? Why is she all of a sudden acting strange to me? Why, why, what did I do? Actually, we had this history, didn't we? Back at Faith Christian. Yep, we had that history. Well, I thought she didn't like me and she thought I didn't like her. We really didn't even really know each other. And can, we can exist in this disturbed space, not by faith, but in offense, in fear, in everything that's contrary to what faith is. But faith says that love covers a multitude of sin. Faith says that I believe all good things. Faith says, let me make my approach to her and say, hey, how you doing, Dr. Kimberly, Dr. Minister Reverend Kimberly? How you doing? Now, I notice there's some static between us. We good. Uh, you know, I'm not the one that's going to say, did I do anything to offend you? Uh, no, I know I didn't do anything to offend her. At least I wouldn't try. But are we good? Are we good? We good. But I could live in a space that really doesn't exist. So is faith what you believe? No, faith is not what you can believe because you can believe a whole lot of lies. Because that's it. She got ahead of me. You act on what you believe. But faith keeps you on a pathway to what God told you you can have. Many have bought into family curses. Because this is the way I was raised. And we don't get off of the hamster wheel of life. And we circulate in this here what we believe because this is what we were taught, because this is what the environment, how the environment raised us. But it's not faith. Faith is not saying, I believe that I am a new creature in Christ and all things. I mean, you can say that, but until you believe it and step outside of what's comfortable and normal to you. Okay, let me get back to my message. One cannot live connected to God and not live by faith. It cannot happen. So the fears and the doubts that you live in, and we all have them because we're all on a journey. Listen, this is a study for me initially years ago. This is a study for me and my crazy self. Is that, that's not political. I call myself crazy. Off kilter. In a space that I didn't belong. And I'm, I'm still there sometimes. But we've all had situations where we bought into a lie. But God says, you cannot please me without faith. And that faith means thinking and being a way in which he created us to be. John 15, 7 in the King James says, if you abide in me and my word abide in you, you shall have what you, you shall ask what you will, and it shall be done unto you. If you abide in me and my word abide in you, 
you shall ask what you will because your will then aligns with his will and it says it shall be done unto you now we love that last part it shall be done unto you we love that part that part's so sweet thank you jesus i can ask what i will and it shall be done unto me but what if i want to have a great purchasing situation where me and my boyfriend want to buy a house and I'm believing God for a great interest rate and a great house purchase situation. And I'm praying, but I'm going to buy it with my boyfriend. If you abide in me and my word abide in you. See, we can ask for our will and our will is so far away from God's will. And then we wonder why we're not getting what we're believing God for. And the only way to know God's will is to be where? In his word, right? Now, I want to break something down to you. It says there, it shall be done. That phrase right there is the Greek word genomai. Genomai. And it literally means it shall become, it shall you be used as a great latitude, it shall arise, it shall assemble, it shall be brought, it shall continue, it shall be divided, it shall be done, it shall be drawn up, it shall be ended, it shall fall. Because some of us want some things to fall. We want cancer to fall. We want diabetes to fall. We want distractions, right? Happen, grow, found, it can be found, it can be fulfilled. Basically, however God got to get it done, he says he will get it done. And then it concludes, it says, it shall be done unto you in the King James. And I stuck with the King James because that's where you find the direct correlation to the original text whether it's in Greek, Aramaic, or Hebrew. Because a lot of times the other translations might get it wrong or might not get it as correctly translated as it intended to be. So I stuck here because when I went through it, I was like, oh, that's not what he says. Not when you look at the Greek, that's not what it says. And I looked at the Greek like four, five, six, seven different ways. So when he says unto you, that Greek word is humin, H-U-M-I-N. And it literally means to, with, or by you. To, with, or by you. So he says here that if, my, if you abide in me and my word abide in you, you shall ask what you will and it shall be done unto you. It shall be done with you or it shall be done by you. Notice that the Greek translation does not say it shall be done for you. Oftentimes, we want God to send a check in the mail, and he can move on somebody's heart to do something like that. We want it to fall in our lap. But the scripture tells us to fight the good fight of faith. He tells us that we have to stand. Therefore, stand in our faith, in our word, what we, what we trust about God's word. So when we fight the good fight of faith, how many of you know and can't acknowledge, sometimes we got to rest our flesh realizing that we got to do something. Amen. We have to do something. Amen. So, I wrote here, it's not that Christians don't believe that God can't or won't do something for them. They just don't have the assuredness that God will do it for them. And it falls under three categories because, number one, they've asked ignorantly because they've got no answers. Number two, they're stuck on their own plan or vision of how God will make it happen. Or number three, guilt and shame has them in prison from receiving. 
And you know what? Let me add a, 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 a guilt, shame, and pride. Guilt, shame, and pride has kept them in prison. Now, let's talk about a story. I, you know, I, I now learn that we cannot take for granted that um, this generation, our generation of Christians, is abreast of the Bible stories that we quote and refer to so often. And so I wanted to spend some time in this place because this place I dug deep and I heard a man of God minister this a long time ago. And then I went home and I was like, let me chew on this some more. And I went home and I chewed on and chewed on and then it got deep. I mean, it was one Sunday message went on for months for me. And I just thought this was so good. There's no way I can exhaust it. But I took out the clips that I thought would be pertinent to this time. Now, I'm going to let you know right now, those of you that are online, I'm ministering this right now, first service. Second service will not be a repeat. Second service will be a continuation. So, I encourage you to go home if you're not going to stay. If you want to stay, hey, let's hang out two times. But if you're not going to stay, some of you are like, I'm out. <laughs> but if you're not going to stay, I encourage you to go online and listen to part two of this because it's going to really bring some things home for you if you want to grow in faith. All right? So, 2 Kings chapter 4. 2 Kings chapter 4. Verses 1 through 7, I'm reading from the Amplified. It says, Now, the wife of a son of the prophets called to Elijah, Your servant, my husband, is dead, and you know that he, your servant feared the Lord. But the creditor has come to take my two sons to be his slaves. Elijah said, And <laughs> what shall I do for you? Literally, he said, And what should I do for you? He says, Tell me. What have you of sale value in the house? She said, your handmaid has nothing in the house except a jar of oil. Then he said, go around and borrow vessels from all your neighbors, empty vessels, and not a few. And when you come in, shut the door upon you, you and your sons. Then pour out the oil you have into all those vessels, setting aside each one when it is full. So she went from him and shut the door upon herself and her sons who brought to her vessels as she poured the oil. When the vessels were all full, she said to her son, bring me another vessel. And he said to her, mom, there's not a one left. When the, then the oil stopped multiplying. Then she came and told the man of God, and he said, go, sell the oil, pay your debt, and you and your sons live on the rest. Now, let's break this down, because, you know, this is an Old Testament story. And Bible school has taught me, I loved what one of my instructors said one time. He said, the Old Testament is the New Testament concealed. The New Testament is the Old Testament revealed. All right? The Bible is filled with two statements. Statements of truth and true statements. True statements are things that actually happen. And this is something that actually happened. And true statements aren't always, you know, something relevant to today. However, statements of truth are eternal. But check this out, how infinitely wise God is. Every true statement has statements of truth in it. So let's dive into that. Rewind, the, 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 go back and watch it to get all of that I just said. 
Now, let's talk about simple faith success strategies. Simple faith success strategies. Now, oftentimes people read this and take this on to a tangent on the prosperity message. Now, if you view prosperity as in peace, nothing missing, nothing broken, prosperity in your health, in your mind, in your body, in your relationship, and in your finances, cool. But often, you know, to our own detriment, a lot of times preachers took this to strictly mean finances. And guess what? That's not what this means at all. He just uses it as an example because it's the simplest examples that one can relate to. But let's break it down. Simple faith success strategies. Number one, know who you are. Know who you are. This story starts with saying that now the wife of the son of the prophets cried to Elijah, your servant, my husband, is now dead. She knew that she was married to a covenant-keeping servant of God. She knew Elijah, the man of God in the land, and Elijah knew her, and she was confident of that. She did not balk on who I can turn to. She turned to the one she knew she could get access to. She knew who she was, even though in that day, the wives weren't very vocal. But she said, well, right now, these people coming up after me and my sons, I'm about to get real vocal. Mama bear peaked, woke up. And she says, Elisha, I am the wife of the son of the prophets, one of the men that served you, and he is now dead. Elisha, I'm coming to you and letting you know that the creditors are now coming after me because I can't pay the taxes on all the land that we got. And because they're coming after me, they're going to make my sons slaves. They knew, she knew who she was. Now some of you are already, you're churn, you're, I know, your spirit is already churning. Your spirit is already churning. You have to know who you are and be confident that he loves you. Be confident that he exists and that he cares enough to respond to you in your time of need. That your identity in Christ is more significant to him. Your faith in his ability to deliver you, save you, set you free, provide for you is more significant to him than where you came from. Which brings us to number two. The consequences of life don't have to bind your future or cause you to forfeit what God has for you. The circumstances of life do not have to bind you. They do not have to forfeit, cause you to forfeit what God has for you. I don't care if you just hit the pipe yesterday. I don't care if you just got out of jail last week. God can still do great things in and through you when his hand is upon you. He says that you, when you come to him in faith, believing that he is and that he is a rewarder, a rewarder 
to them who diligently seek him. If you put your face to that Bible and you put that word in action in your life, I promise you that he will accelerate the time and bring you to a space and a place in which he can accomplish great and mighty things through you. I was looking at the news and there was a story on there and I'm, I'm paraphrasing the story. I might get some points of it mixed up. So if you, you know, if you cross Googling me, facts checking, just know that I might have some errors in there. Because y'all know how y'all do. <laughs> but I was in Detroit and I was looking at the news on, in the hotel and there was a guy on the news that, and they were talking about how he's a mechanic. And he became a mechanic because he had done some time and it was hard for him to find a job. And someone taught him how to work the ins and outs of old cars. You know, he comes from my era where you got real carburetors and you got eight block engines and, you know, straight eight blocks. Y'all, you know, we, we used to stack, but straight and, 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 and all the things that real ignitions and real transmissions. And here I am driving a car with no transmission. But nevertheless, <laughs> he knew cars and he wanted to reach out and do some things for the people that came from his kind of a background. So he only works with people, he only worked with people, kids, young adults, people that came from a compromised uh, situation, juvenile detention systems, prison. He only worked with those type of people because he says, no one wants to work with them. And that's what I know I'm called to work with. And guess what? 80% of the people, he's been doing, been doing it for years, but 80% of the people he worked with go on to live fruitful, prosperous lives. And he says, I don't have much, but this is what I got. God can use you to do great things. I don't care if you were raped, if you were a drug addict, if you were abused. I'm saying it out loud because if you have an STD or an STI, there is someone that will love you. There is someone that will care for you. There is a God that has delivered you. There is a God that has healed you. There is a God that still has a plan for you. There is a God that still wants to do exceedingly abundantly above all that you could ask or think. There is a God that wants to show himself as dearest father, closest friend, most beautiful. Bernard, if you don't stop. He wants to be that. But because we've been so victimized, we shut ourselves down from being able to receive what God has for us. Then we limit his ability in us. Number three, you have to be committed are you committed? See, Elijah, she comes to Elijah because she knows Elijah can help her. But what did he do? He asked her the question, what you got? What can you do? There was no special prayer. There was no anointing oil. There was no deep river to go dunk herself in. There's no fasting with sackcloth and ashes. He simply said, what can you do? Are you committed? See, some of you know I was diagnosed with a very rare condition, a very rare cancer. And I'm still believing God to this moment for complete healing. 
I've come a long way and I thank God I'm not where I was. But I'm believing God for full deliverance, for full healing. So I've had to stay, stay, I mean, stay firm in my faith. Even when I'm taking medicine, I'm saying, I'm saying, Father, I just thank you that you're working a healing and a cure in my body right now. Every time I'm taking something, Father, I thank you that you're delivering me from this stuff. So wherever you are, you know, some of us, we can just start on a fast, being committed to not eating sugar. But your faith now, mind you, your faith is activated as you commit. See, when they give you the diagnosis of you being pre-diabetic, in that moment, you know, it hits you and you're like, oh, and you want to go home and get rid of all the sugar that's in the house. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay. You did that. But you now have to activate your faith to keep it out your house. Every day has to be a celebration of no sugar. Every day has to be a celebration of no weed. Every day has to be a celebration of no alcohol. Every day has to be a celebration of no sex if you're not married. Every day has to be a celebration of sobriety. Every day has to be a celebration of no cussing. Every day has to be a celebration of no smoking. Every day has to be a celebration. Thanking God that you got me through the last 24 hours, but yet, Father, I'm confident that you'll get me through the next 24 hours. Because faith begets faith. But a lot of times we just do stuff. We just do it. I'm guilty. Just doing stuff. And we commit based off our own ability. But there's a God that's trying to get something in and through you in your efforts to seek and pursue him. See, when we fast, it's a faith activity. It's amazing how much better and how much more committed I'm fasting when we do the 21 days of prayer and fasting. Now, back then, I said, oh, I'm going to fast the first three days of every month. Because I'm deep and strong like that, right? Man. I did it up to my birthday, and my birthday was in March. So... As we continue on our faith journey, we have to realize that in that active faith journey, we are exercising commitment. As we are exercising commitment, then we are opening doors and positioning ourselves to receive what he has for us. You know, what if we, you know, when we plant that seed in the ground, that seed goes down before it goes up. We don't see anything, but the growth is happening. That, 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 that it's, it's, it's something is happening. It's growing. It's produced. In fact, the deeper the root, oftentimes, and the longer it takes to show, see anything, the greater the, 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 the production, the harvest. Right? If you plant a seed that's a tree, it's going to take a minute. But when that tree comes and it bears fruit, you will have thousands of other seeds by which you can now distribute to others. But maybe you've just planted, a, planted a, a seed that produces just a plant. That's all right. It still has to go down before it goes up. Growth is still happening. You still have to praise God in the process. 
It says here that the creditors were coming to, to take her sons in to pay off the debt. And, you know, and, and she didn't have a it is what it is attitude. Because she, what are you talking about? What do I have? Well, maybe she did because she said all of your, because uh, she did say all I have is a jar of oil. But see, when you are a Christian, the is what it is does not exist for you because you have the authority to say it is what I say it is. It is what I say it is. And so therefore, it might be what is, I'm not saying you act like something does not exist because faith is not, you know, speaking those things that are as though they're not. This faith is speaking those things that are not as though they were. So we don't ignore, I reject, I rebuke that report. No, it's a report. Now what you going to do about it? It is what it is in that moment, but now it is what I say it is. I am healed by the stripes of Jesus. He himself took on my transgressions and my infirmities, right? Number four. You know what? I put this in here. I'm going to say it. Staying with are you committed? Because that's, I think, one of the biggest things. We start out fervent in faith. But, you know, God showed me when I was on the plane and I was going over my notes. I had, and I was meditating on this here, are you committed? And I had the vision of a hamster wheel. Because, see, a hamster, if you ever looked at those little cute rodents, that's what they are, cute rodents, they can go up, around, and everything. If they have something to crawl on, it's going to crawl all over the place. I've seen them things crawl up, around, down. My daughter had a couple of hamsters, right? But when it gets on the hamster wheel, it goes and it gets on at first as if, now this is the psychology of a hamster. I looked it up. It gets on level. But then it sees or believes that it can go up. So that's when it speeds up thinking it can go up. It goes up a little bit only to come back down. So it's constantly trying to get up but it doesn't get up because they're stuck in this circular rotation. Don't raise your hand, but I'm going to ask a rhetorical question. How many of you found yourself in the same spot over and over and over again? Date the same dude or the same girl with a different face over and over again? Huh? Space in the same situation over and over again. Attracting the same kind of people that you just don't get and they don't get you over and over again. Think of the hamster wheel. Because see, what, what it is with the hamster is that he's, think he's, he's thinking he's going in another direction, but he actually isn't. He's not really going in another direction until he gets off of the wheel and start going on other territory. And then when he goes into other territory, he realizes, oh, I can't go up this tube. I can't go across this cage and into another part of the cage. I can't climb. But then every once in a while, it forgets that and goes right back to the hamster wheel. Right? It's your mindset. It's your mindset. If you don't real, well, I'm getting ahead of myself. All right. Let me go here. Number four, are you capable? Are you capable? Being real with who you are. Who are you? Whenever I sit down to do a pastoral counseling with somebody, one of the questions that I always ask is, who are you? And it's amazing to me how many times people have found it difficult to answer that question. 
Who are you? Like for real, who are you? Your flaws, your greatness, your irritabilities, your shortcomings, your victories, your failures, your tests and your testimonies, your trials and your triumphs. Who are you? Like for real, like who are you? I was a child that was abused emotionally. My parents, I've since forgiven my parents, they're going on to be with the Lord, praise God, hallelujah, I am so at peace with that. But it doesn't erase the facts of my life. And so being a child that was abused, I was very defensive. I was very brash. I don't touch me. I don't know what you, where you been. And I hug everybody now. Harsh language. They didn't necessarily, my mother didn't know how to cuss. She tried, but she really didn't know how to. That's that Korean in her. She's, she was hanging out in the streets of Detroit too much. She tried to use some of them words, but she's, she finally gave up. But still, harsh language, degrading language, right? So much so that by the time I was 19 years old, a freshman in univers at the University of Michigan, I go to the hospital because I'm having some severe stomach pains, and they're like, girl, what has life done to you? Because you're suffering ulcers. Because I had lived life so anxious and so tied up and so stressed that now it's, it's, you know, it's, it's, it's catching up to me. And so therefore, it caused my personality to be a certain way. And then when I started diving into the things of Christ, I had to acknowledge these ways which is contrary to love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, long-suffering. These things that were contrary to that, I had to start asking my friends and people that knew me, like, for real, what do you think of me? Who do you think I am? Not, 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 not like confrontational, like, like, for real, who do, you, who, who do you say I am? How am I to you? And the ones that were honest enough would tell me. And I had to just acknowledge that, yeah, I, I'm a little combative. I, I can be mean. Yeah, I told some, some lies in the past that I never made clean. Ooh, that was a rhyme. <laughs> but I had to acknowledge who I was. So he's saying to her, what do you have in your house? What do you have in your house? What are your gifts and talents? What are your personality traits that are great and flawed? Did you do your next steps too? See, next steps too here at Linked Up Church, it's not about Linked Up Church, for real, for real, for real. It's all about you, the personality assessment, your motivational gifts, so that you can dial in. It's not a full-fledged full formula but it allows you to have a, a framework by which you can dial in like, is this true about me? Is this how I function? Let me dig a little deeper into this type of personality trait, this DISC assessment. What do you have in your house? And maybe you haven't figured it out yet, but you have been walking in it. Maybe you just love to serve, but when you serve, where do you show up the strongest? You've been hurt. Yeah, she cheated on you. He cheated on you. What did that do to you? Like for real. I'm a divorcee and I'm believing God to get married. I've been on some dates, but it hasn't worked out. Why do I attract the wrong one? Or what is it that's attracting the wrong one? And what haven't I been delivered from or realized from my past marriage? 
I'm going to give you a harsh truth. This is the truth. A lot of us, a lot of people want to get married, but simply are not marryable. Because they have not unpacked what's in their house. That's a tough reality. But for some, it's a reality. Because what they've been through means more to them to protect themselves from it than the faith to go outside of the hamster wheel and live life free from what happened to me. I'm going to stop there and I'll pick up with part two later on. But what I want you to know in these simple faith success strategies, these four, and these four braid, I mean, they untwine into so much more. But knowing who you are, understand that your past or your consequences do not have to, does not stop God from doing what he does. Are you committed? And are you capable? Knowing what's in your house are faith strategies that will truly take you to a place where you're abiding in him. He's abiding in you. He, you're abiding in him and his word is abiding in you. Now you can ask what you will. And he'll get it done through you, to you, with you, about you. However he's going to get it done, he's going to get it done. Because his promises are already here. Someone loved you enough to die for you. Someone loved you enough to make those promises real. Someone loved you enough to make sure that you do not have to lack or slack in anything. He said the promises of God are yes and amen. So if they're here for you, then what's the problem? Why hasn't that business taken off like you said you wanted to take off? No, we want to take off in one or two years. But see, God is not about instant, instant success. He's not a microwave God. But I love what I heard C.C. Winans said. She said, God just can continue to build her ministry up through the years. And here it is, about almost 40, 30, 40 years later. And she believes she's just now seeing, just starting to see the mountaintop. What? I'm just, I'm just starting on my journey. And listen, I got a good life. But I'm just starting on my journey. Wherever you are, I don't care what you've been through, baby girl. I don't care what you've been through, baby boy. God ain't done with you. He's not done with you. And guess what? And I don't care if you are retired. See, if you're a part of Linked Up Church, listen, we don't believe in retirement. We believe in refiring. You just load it back up and refire. Right? You just know you just now knowing enough to know how to what to do and how to get it done right, right? <laughs> Praise God. Did you all get anything out of that? Yeah. Let's pray. So Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray that these words, Holy Spirit, have fallen on good ground. 
ground that will yield a hundred return. Father, I pray right now that as you, your word has gone forth, that you confirm your word in the lives of all those that are hearing with signs and wonders following. I pray that they are leveling up in their faith and that you're showing yourself strong as they step into what may seem unfamiliar to them, but is so familiar to you. Father, we give you glory, honor, and praise for these things. In Jesus' name. Praise God. I trust that this message has touched your heart today. Listen, we don't claim to have all the answers, but we do know one answer, and his name is Jesus Christ. So if you don't have a personal relationship with him today, we want to invite you to do so. Or maybe you had one with him, but you've just gotten away, and you're desiring to come back to Christ today. I want to lead you in a simple prayer today. If you would, repeat this after me. Put your hand over your heart and say these words. Say, Dear Heavenly Father, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. I believe that He died, rose from the grave, and He is alive right now. Lord Jesus, come into my heart and save me now. As a result of what I've confessed with my mouth and what I believe in my heart, I am right now born again and in right standing with God. In Jesus' name. Praise God. We are so excited for you. We believe that today is the first day of the rest of your life. Congratulations. We are so excited that you made the decision to get connected to God. Thank you for listening today. If this message encouraged or inspired you in any way, please subscribe to us on your favorite podcast app and leave a review too. For past messages, updates, and more, please visit us at linkedupchurch.com or download the Linked Up Church app. You can also watch live services, view past messages, and see our dynamic content for children, youth, and teens on our Facebook and YouTube pages. Follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Linked Up Church. And if you would like to support more of what we're doing, you can give online at linkedupchurch.com or text get connected to 94000 thanks again for listening have an amazing week and we look forward to connecting with you